Welcome to Amplify. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome to Amplify. This is Ken Roshan on Voice America Influencer Channel. And uh, we have our co-host, Andrea Adams-Miller with the Red Carpet Connection. And we are, of course, sponsored by Big Events USA, Keep Smiling Movement, and the Umbrella Syndicate, as well as the Red Carpet Connection. So, Andrea, how are you doing? I'm absolutely excellent and really excited about today's programming. Well, good. I'm glad you are. I mean, you helped set it up. You better be excited about it. (laughs) Okay, so we had the pleasure of seeing uh, Jim Britt at the Women Economic Forum, and he uh, delivered a brilliant presentation. I had been wanting to see him speak for a long time, so it was like a bucket list item almost. And he is a great storyteller, and I look forward to a a great show with him. So if you want to go ahead and give the bio at this time, we can bring him on. Absolutely. Jim Britt is the author of numerous best-selling books and programs. You know, some of his titles include Rings of Truth, Do This, Get Rich for Entrepreneurs, Do This, Get Rich for Networking Marketers, uh, Unleashing Your Authentic Power and the Power of Letting Go and Cracking the Rich Code. He is an internationally recognized business leader who is highly sought after as a keynote speaker for all audiences. And as a coach and trainer, he leverages his skills and experiences as one of the leading experts in peak performance and entrepreneurship and personal empowerment for absolutely stellar results. And he's been business partners with many of today's greats, including Dr. Dennis Watley, uh, The Psychology of Winning, Jim Rohn's Adventures and Achievement, and Dr. Maxwell Maltz's Psycho-Cybernetics International. He's worked with over 300 corporations and has addressed over, you know, a million people in the world. So I am so excited that he gets to talk with us today. Jim Brett, love you. Glad you're here. Thank you, Andrea. It's great to be here. Well, Jim, I guess the first question I have is a person who's accomplished as much as you have, and it's 2019, what is the first reason that you continue to give so much and live this purpose-driven life? And then secondly, what are you up to as a challenge in 2019? Well, I continue to do what I do because I I love doing what I do, Um, and I've been doing it for just over 40 years now, so... I, I don't I don't know anything else and and I enjoy it so I just uh, seem to continue doing it. it's like a, a, a hobby uh, and a profession and okay. for 2019 um, well, I'm working on a few things my uh, my book Rings of Truth is about to become a feature motion picture and um, and I'm working on a, a collaborative book series with Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank uh, called Cracking the Rich Code for entrepreneurs, and we're bringing in 20 co-authors in each book. Uh, we're already on to book two and three right now, just in just a short period of time. So that's, you know, it's a PR marketing, branding, uh, lead generation strategy for any type of entrepreneur, basically. And if, someone, if someone's an entrepreneur, how do they find out about being part of that opportunity? Uh, just for that, just go to BrittVenture.com, B-R-I-T-T, Venture.com. Okay, and then the other project, can you tell about that? The other project would be uh, jimbritt.com or uh, ringsoftruth, 
dot com forward slash one one one. Okay, and Rings of Truth. Let's share with uh, what that vision is and what that project's about. Well, Rings of Truth is is basically my life story. I wrote it about twenty one years ago, and um, kind of flashbacks to my childhood and things that I've, I've gone through in, in my life. And um, uh, so it's a uh, the publisher calls it an autobiographical self help novel. So it's kind of a visionary novel. Uh, it's got one fictional character, but about 95% of the book is, is true. So it's, it's my story, and um, you know, I'm excited to, uh, to make it into a movie. I've had thousands of people tell me that it should be, so it uh, looks like it's going to happen. Is that some of what you were sharing on stage at the Women Economic Forum? I think I did, yeah. I did talk about that. Yeah, so our audience uh, obviously was not able to be at that event, and uh, you had such a, a moving presentation and story. Would you mind sharing that, and please take your time? Yeah, well, you know, it started for me, um, yeah, I grew up in, in not poverty, but poor, and moved around a lot. I never went to one school more than um, maybe six months, up until about the 10th grade, and then I dropped out of school in the 10th grade and went off to my career uh, pumping gas in a, in a gas station and then from there to a factory on an assembly line. And then I got introduced just by chance to a direct sales company. And and that uh, first year of that, I lost everything I owned and didn't know what to do. And then somebody somebody sat with me for a couple of hours and and taught me a few skill sets, and uh, my next year I made just under a million dollars, and I kind of got the entrepreneurial bug then. And then I got asked to speak and you know uh, share my story and and how I did what I did and that type of thing. And then I joined up with Jim Rohn, um, and Jim and I were business partners for about ten years, uh, and we we put about a million people through events over that ten year period, including uh, including Tony Robbins was one of our students that uh, worked with us for about five years so um but you know that's uh that's kind of kind of how i got started um and you know it just progressed from there i you know i never planned to be uh you know a speaker or an author or any i never thought i could even write a book and i've written 13 of them and <laughs> never you know if you'd asked me that 20 years ago i'd say no way um but um so anyway, you know, it's uh, I've I've done seminars all over the world now, and um, you know, it's just been a it's been an interesting journey for me. Well, let's start off with um, going back to that piece that you said you lost everything, and you received some advice that helped you mm-hmm. make a million, if I recall. What was mm-hmm. what happened that caused you to lose everything, and what was the advice? Well, what happened that caused me to lose everything is I, I didn't know what to do. You know, I came out of the factory. I, about the only people I knew were a few people that worked in the area with me, and um, and I got started in this, this direct sales company. I went out and just started. They, they said, talk to people. Just go talk to people. And um, so I did, and and one of the executives of the company, I heard him do a presentation. He said, talk a little, earn a little, talk a lot, earn a lot. And I said, well, what's a little? He said, one or two a day. And I said, what's a lot? He said, 10 a day. I said, that's what I'm going to do, talk to 10 a day. So I did for the next year. And so I got 3,650-plus uh, no's. And um, so 
I didn't know what I was supposed to do other than go talk to people. And finally, somebody uh, came by my home just about five days before uh, the foreclosure. Well, it had already been foreclosed, but before I had to be out on the street, basically. There was a notice on the door from the sheriff. And and this fellow came by from the company, and we sat in my floor because I'd already taken all of my furniture and both of my vehicles. I couldn't go anywhere. And... Um, and we sat my floor, and he and he shared with me some of the things that I was doing wrong, but also uh, where, where where my focus should be. And he asked me about my goals and dreams, and I told him, you know, I wanted to make all this money and all this stuff, and you know, I have a big home and you know, uh, nice cars and all that stuff. And uh, he said, well, he said, now I want you to forget that. And I said, I, I don't want to forget that. And he said, no. He says, uh, it's not about you. And I said, I, I don't, I don't get what you mean. He said, it's not about you. He said, it's about the other person. He said, if you help people become successful, whatever you do, uh, he said, you'll be successful. And he said, so it's never about you. It's always about the other person. And you know what? I've, I've lived my life that way now. I mean, every time I meet somebody new, um, airplane, wherever it is, you know, a stranger someplace, I'm always, I just, developed the habit of saying, well, what do you do? Tell me about you. And, 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 and it doesn't matter what they do or what they're looking for. I'm always looking for a way to help them. And I think that's what uh, kind of got me into the business I'm in and kept me into that business. But, um, yeah, it's, that, that, was, uh, that was something that changed my life. It changed my focus. That two hours are probably the most important two hours I've ever spent. And what was that gentleman's name? Uh, his name was Larry Thompson. Larry Thompson, because I didn't think I caught that. So, so Larry Thompson gave you the words of wisdom, and you were relentless in taking the advice of talking to 10 people a day. So mm -hmm. that's kind of who you are as a person, right? Just whatever it takes? Whatever it takes. I have a, a lot of tenacity, a lot of focus, and I just, uh, I just get it done. <laughs> if I'm going to write a book, my first one took me 14 months, and I didn't think I could write, so I hired somebody to help me, and and then I decided I could write. So my next 330-page book took me 30 days. I just sat down and thought, okay, well, I can write 10 pages a day. So that's what I did for 30 days. I wrote 10 pages a day and or, or more, and and that's pretty much the way I've written all of my books. <laughs> I just get focused. Uh, whatever I'm doing, I just uh, get focused on it and and move forward and and um, don't take no for an answer. Just keep moving. I'm sure you know that's a unique quality. So I guess that brings the question, where did you either learn or get inspired to be so tenacious? Um, you know, I think it started at a, at a young age. My first, first job was uh, picking cotton, and that was when I was six years old. And probably today my parents would have been arrested for child labor, but uh, back then we did it to survive. But, um, you know, I, I remember striving to, to, to do more every day that I would go there. I mean, I'd be out there picking cotton in and, and, you know, maybe I'd pick, you know, 10 pounds for the day as a six-year-old. And the next day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do 11. And I, I just kept wanting to, to beat my own record. I wasn't out there to beat anybody else, just to beat my own record. And I know when I when I worked in the gas station, I always thought of myself as the best gas station attendant in the world. And I think that's a that's a uh, something that if if everybody really understood, 
you know, if you hate your job or you hate what you're doing, uh, if you focus on what you hate, you'll get more of what you hate. And, and nobody's going to see you as, a, as somebody they want to hire or somebody they want to do business with, where if you focus on just being the best you can be at whatever it is you're doing. Uh, and that's kind of been my philosophy. I mean, even if I'm up doing a, a talk, um, at the end of that talk, I always ask myself, how did I do it? How could I have done it better? And I've done that for years and years. Sometimes I don't think of anything I could have done better, and other times I'm going, yeah, I could have done this. And you just learn from yourself and um, and um, keep growing. Well, I have so many questions that come from that. I guess I'll start with the one that just came just now, which is a great talk is when you connect with an audience. And obviously when you're a speaker and you're selling what they may need, what is considered a success at that point? Well, when I first when I first started speaking, uh, or even uh, even after I'd been in front of probably three four hundred thousand people, um, I always thought that uh, a standing ovation. Uh, if I got a standing ovation, I did a great job. And. And I realized one day, uh, in fact, my book, Rings of Truth, that's kind of where, where this started. I just realized one day that I wasn't happy. I was financially successful. I had all of the financial trappings, you know, the home, the cars, and clothes, and all that stuff. And But I was divorced, and my two children lived in another part of the country. And and um, I suddenly realized one morning that I, w- I wasn't happy. And over a period of about three or four hours, uh, I went from patting myself on the back, living in Sedona, Arizona, thinking, man, I'm on top of the world. Look where I came from, from from a high school dropout to this, and just kind of feeling good about my life. And four hours later, I was totally depressed and and saw that, you know, I really wasn't happy. And so I basically quit my profession. Um, and this was about 35 years ago, but I, I quit and said, I can't do this anymore. I can't teach people what's not working for me. I can't say if you, you know, if you become successful, you're going to be happy and your life's going to work. And here I am successful, but my life's not working. And, um, mm. and what changed for me is I, I, I did, uh, quit. Uh, I mean, I totally surrendered everything that I thought was my life and said, I'm done without thinking about what's next. And I went off to Hawaii for two weeks, and uh, first time I didn't take a book, I didn't take a notepad, I didn't take anything with me except some hiking boots and, a, and some towels, and, and just all I wanted to do was just get away from everything. And as a result, it was like, it was like uh, new information got downloaded, and, um, and I started to see my life for what it was, and, and I started to see other people uh, and, and what what caused them to be where they are as well. So it was quite, quite a transformational process I went through. And how about your kids? Um, well, I have six sons, um, and we're, we're all very close. Um, and my kids are, you know, they were a little distant for, for a few years. Um, but then we, you know, we got back together, and, uh, and everything clicked, and we're, we're very close now all, all all six of the four boys that I have with my my uh, second wife and and the two with my first. That's pretty incredible. That's very important too, right? That definitely is. Yeah. 
So when you first, uh, well, a lot of people say Jim Rohn is one of the most inspirational people or mentors that they ever came across. And what was he like to you? Uh, well, Jim and I met, um, you know, in like 1970, and um, he was, to me at that point, he was he was like, you know something way up here, you know, way above me, and I thought he was—he had the—he had the corner on all knowledge, uh, you know, in front of a room. And I remember when I first heard him for three and a half hours, I took sixteen pages of notes, and um, and then I, I I found out he was going to be in another city. I was in Oklahoma City. He was going to be in Kansas City like a week later. So I went to Kansas City and listened to him. Took another sixteen pages of notes. Um, went to Little Rock, listened to him, went to uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, went to Dallas, went to Denver. I just kept going. Anywhere he was within driving distance, I was there. And finally one day he goes, where do you live anyway? <laughs> you know? And we, we became friends, and, um, and then we, uh, we kind, of, kind of separated. We, we kind of lost touch with each other because he went one way, I went one way. And uh, one day I walked into a coffee shop in... Um, Phoenix, Arizona, to have breakfast, and there sat Jim Rohn, and he didn't live in Phoenix, and I didn't either. <laughs> and we, he said, "Hey, come and come, come join me in business." I said, "Doing what?" And he said, "Promoting seminars." And uh, and so I loved what he did, and I said, "Okay, I'll I'll promote I'll promote one or two and see see what happens," you know. So that started it, and then um, I ended up in Southern California after that, and it it just took off from there. And you mentioned that but Tony Jim Robbins. As, a, as an individual, Jim was um, just you know just a, a, a common guy with uh, the the ability to inspire people. He just had a way with words that um, that very few people have. I mean, he just uh, um, I, I don't. Know, it's hard hard to explain, but you know, on a on a personal level, it, it was you know just a normal guy just like me and just you know we had conversations and uh do things together and have dinner together and you know it just you know it's just a low-key uh guy guy your next door neighbor you know well i find it funny you say that because you said he's just a normal guy just like me well you're not an ordinary guy you're an exceptional person so i guess another exceptional person would seem normal right well you know by by that you know i'm i'm uh I'm kind of the same on stage, off stage. You know, I'm. If somebody wants to, you know, have a conversation about anything or go work in the yard or, you know, just I'm just I'm just a, uh, you know, your next door neighbor. I'm not uh, I'm not any kind of uh, celebrity or anything like that, and um, I don't see myself uh, that way. You may not see yourself that way, Jim, but I assure you, you are a rarity that you are the same person on stage as off stage. It's not everyone can say that, not everyone experiences, and not everyone uh, would agree with that. So yeah. that's that's pretty amazing by itself. And I got to tell you, tenacity is, I think, probably one of the rarest qualities someone could have as a character piece. So I would say that's well, I, a that's a tough one. Yeah, I do, I do know when when my um, my whole uh, presentation and 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 how I how I looked at an audience changed. I'll never forget the day that I, I walked into uh, uh, about four hundred people in Park City, Utah, 
And up to that point, I was I was always a little nervous because I I, I had um, taken on some new information I was sharing, and I was not totally confident with it. I mean, I was confident, but yet I was almost afraid if somebody asked me a question, I couldn't answer maybe about it. And um, so, um, you know, I, I I remember that day when I walked into the back of the room, and I, I looked at the audience uh, from the back. And my first thought was, "Let me at him," <laughs> you know, and and uh, and the fear had gone; it was all gone. And and I and I thought to myself, you know, nobody can ask me a question about what I do that I can't answer, uh, because I I I've just gotten it on such a deep level um, that uh, I, I just had the total confidence. So that that changed me, and also I realized at that point that. Um, you don't speak to an audience. Um, you're there to influence that audience. You're there to influence um, change in their life. Uh, you know, uh, anybody can speak to an audience. Anybody can get up and sell to an audience, or uh, you know, do a, a you know clever presentation. Or, but uh, to me, it's all about if you influence people to change, then you've actually done your job. I totally agree. So I have a question about Jim Rohn, one more, and that is, since you got to know him rather well, did you ever find out who his mentors were and what what caused him to be so extraordinary? Yeah, I, I did. Well, uh, Earl Schoff was one mentor. I never met Earl. I met his wife. Um, his uh, other mentor was uh, Bill Bailey, and I did know Bill rather well. In fact, Bill was uh, a mentor of mine. Uh, as well, he had a big, big effect on my life. And an interesting thing that happened: I was invited to speak at a retreat up in, um, I think it was Wyoming or Montana, someplace up there years back. And they said we have uh, we have four speakers, including you. And I didn't ask who the other speakers were, so I flew up, went to this big retreat out in the mountains. Um, and um, when I get there, I find out that the two speakers. Uh, two of the other speakers are Jim Rohn and Bill Bailey. And so my two mentors uh, are there, and both of them always said, you know, if, if somebody comes to town, they've got something good to say, sit on the front row, take notes. So it comes my turn to, to speak, and I get up and I, I look out over the audience, and there's Jim Rohn and Bill Bailey on the front row taking notes mm-hmm. on what I'm saying. I'm going, wow. wow. I mean, I had, I actually had to stop. <laughs> I just had to stop for a minute and just, and, and, and tell the audience, you know, exactly what I just told you. And I'm going, wow, here's my two mentors on the front row, both taking notes. I'm thinking, well, maybe they're faking it. I don't know. <laughs> but it was, uh, that was a moving moment. I'm telling you, that was, that was crazy. I bet. I bet. So um, I know Andrea has a question she wants to ask, and so Andrea, go ahead. Thank you, Ken. Um, Jim, you know, we had the pleasure of meeting at Mark Husick's event and, and getting to know each other a little bit better. And I wanted to know, I mean, Mark Mark just adores you and loves you. And I wanted to hear more about your guys' relationship and the collaboration that you've brought to the world. Well, Mark and I met... Um, uh, he uh, he called me, or, or one of his assistants called me uh, years back. It's probably been 15 years ago, and said Mark would uh, would like to 
fly you down to San Diego and hire you as a consultant uh, to watch what he's doing and and see if see if you can help uh, refine his his program and 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 how he presents it and you know just just sit and listen and and I did and uh, Mark and I um, connected and and it's just been um, well he he really connected with with my material as well. And start. In fact, he he's read Rings of Truth. Uh, I think he said he's on his fourteenth time now. And I said, Mark, don't you get it? <laughs> he said, No. He said, I read it, and every time I read it, there's something new that hits me. He says, it's crazy. Uh, but Mark and I just uh, really hit it off. Became very good plant friends. He's you know spent time at my home and vice versa, and we've just you know maintained contact and a lot of business together. But he's He's such a, a great guy, very influential out there in the speaking world as well. So can you give a couple rings of truth right now on the show? Well, the, the one that, uh, that happened in my, um, uh, when I went through that process of, of quitting uh, my profession was uh, surrender. And I think that, that that's the first uh, principle in the book. There's 21 in total, but the first principle is surrender. And uh, to me, um, you know, it's like you, you're trying. Everybody's done this. You're trying to think of the, the name of a uh, or the, an actor that's played in a movie, and you see their face. You can see it in your mind's eye, but you just can't remember their name, or you can't remember the name of the movie they played in, or you know. And then you say, "Oh well, it'll come to me." And 30 seconds later, it comes to you. And you know when we're trying to control outcomes, uh, it's it, we're, we're not yeah. in control. Uh, we, we we can't control outcomes. We can only control ourselves. So when you when you let go of that need to control uh, through sur- surrendering, basically, just uh, uh, if you if you don't have an answer, uh, Bailey, where's your just surrender. So I have a question for you that's a little out there. It's uh, when okay. you first you met Tony Robbins uh, at an event that Jim Rohn was doing. Did he stand out as someone that was like you? Did he stand out as someone that you need to take notice of? No, no, not at all. Tony was. Uh, I think I have a picture of him back then. Tony was just a, a big six foot seven uh, young kid, uh, poorly dressed, uh, overweight. Um, um, you know, a lot of you could see the kind of the determination, you know, in in Tony. Um, but he never struck me as somebody that was was going to certainly not do what he's done. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, I didn't. In fact, I didn't think he would ever do anything. <laughs> he was a good salesperson, though. He, he was. I had about 300 salespeople um, at one point, and Tony was right up there at the top, if not number one, most of the time. Uh, but, but yet, I never. It never struck me that he would ever go anywhere. Um, it was just yeah, kind of interesting how it all happened. You, know, you, go, you go look at it, you know, from his infomercial to his firewalk and and those type of things. And, but Tony was he, he was a, a good student, though. He would, you know, I remember giving him a book one time and said, you know, you need to read this book. And, and, he, and he went home and read it that night and came back and could quote that book. So he would absorb information. He, he's brilliant. Well, uh, 
I, I guess the reason I'm going that direction is because it seems like you guys have some commonalities. It seems like when he's told to do something or you're told to do something, you just do it and you you take care of business and whatever it takes. Is that is that kind of a good indication? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tony and I are you know a lot alike in in many ways. We we don't uh, I don't think we approach what we do in the same way. I mean, some things are similar, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think we both have that uh, that drive, that tenacity, that uh, get the job done. Um, and I, I think that's that's what's taken us both where we are. I agree. So you'd shared uh, another story about um, that you'd lost everything again. Uh, you shared several stories on stage that were just uh, just phenomenal, and um, it was later in life that you lost everything. And you said I couldn't afford to lose it all. So. Do you recall that? Uh, yeah, I kind of recall it. <laughs> yeah, you, you always remember those things. You know, you don't always <laughs> remember all the good stuff, but you certainly remember the bad stuff. But, yeah, I, I got heavily into the uh, real estate and development uh, business uh, on the side. I've, I've done a lot of entrepreneurial ventures, but th- this was the biggest one. And uh, we were building buildings all across the country. And... Um, uh, the the market turned upside down, and we had a lot of a lot of our own money invested in projects that were starting up and and um, half finished and waiting on funding and and things like that. And all the funding just dried up for all of the all of the projects, and it just turned everything upside down. So, you know, but what I remember is that um, yeah, it affected me, but at the same time, it was kind of weird. It was like, well, I'll just I, I, I had learned to let go. That that's one of my one of my signature programs is the power of letting go, and and I just remember well, it it happened. Uh, I can either focus on that or I can move forward and uh, create it again in some other way, and and that's what I chose to do. So within within a few days, it seemed like I was off on another track and and moving forward and of course I still had my speaking career I was still out doing that but um, that was um, uh, yeah that was that was a big big hit but uh, but I, I came out of it quickly and that's what it's about right it's about the mindset and actually believing you can get out of it and creating it right yeah well when you lose something you know whether it's a loved one or a business or your money um, You've got a you've got a kind of a grieving process, um, and of course, you know a loved one. It's gonna it's gonna take longer to let that go. And um, but you know, in business, um, I, I just I just look at it like some things work and some things don't. I mean, I, I spent uh, uh, between a half and three quarters of a million on a uh, television infomercial right at the end of the infomercial era, <laughs> and, and it didn't work. Uh, because media was too expensive, and and you know, so I, I I looked at it and I thought, well, maybe I need to readjust it and do something. So I did and spent like another fifty to seventy five thousand testing it again. It still didn't work, and finally I just go, okay, let's put it on a shelf and move on. Uh, now you could you could stay focused on that and go, God, I lost that I lost that three quarter of a million dollars. I can't believe I did that. Well, you know, you did. So uh, let's move on. Um, I mean, I knew a friend of mine uh, that died at about 85 years old, and I knew him for about probably 25 to 30 years. Every time I was with him, he brought up this uh, construction project, uh, condominium project in um, 
on St. Thomas that was a ripoff, and he lost all of his money uh, in in the project. Somebody ripped him off for his money, and that's all he ever talked about for his whole <laughs> life. And he and he died broke uh, because he just couldn't get past that. So my my philosophy is is the universe is is like a mirror, and whatever you focus on, you're going to get more of it. So um, you focus on you know. The things you want in your life, you'll get more of that. If you focus on lack and what's not working, you'll get more of that. Well, I know Andrea has one more question. I I, I want to close out my last question with uh, I had an accident, and I lost a lot of stuff, and I got my life, and I got my smile, so I'm happy for the trade. If you're going to lose your car, your phone, your computer, and all this other stuff, if you have yourself, you can rebuild it all. So I, I was inspired to write a book called Reset, and it sounds like that's kind of a way of looking at life when bad things happen. You look at the silver lining that you get to reset again. What do you think of that? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, bad things do happen, and you you just can't you can't focus on them. I mean, you can, but, <laughs> but I'm saying you shouldn't. Uh, right. You know, take them as they come, and... And also, you know, I've I've gone and connected the dots backwards, and and saw where I was, and that's kind of how I wrote the, my book, Rings of Truth. Is you know, when you connect the dots backwards, uh, you can see that every one of those took you someplace else. You know that that failure, uh, that failure in um, on the infomercial um, introduced me to Kevin Harrington. I was going to ask and that, and we became friends. And uh, now we're doing a project together that we never would have done otherwise. So uh, it, it's not a failure unless you see it as a failure. It's just something that happened that didn't work and, and move on. Let's do something else. And I will, I guess I'll just surmise that if he didn't notice that you were tenacious and that you were believing in what he was doing, that he wouldn't necessarily try to create something new with you. Right, yeah. I think Kevin and I work really well together. He's, you know, he's like the number one entrepreneur in the world, and um, you know, I'm more more into the mental side of of what we, you know, what we need to do to develop that mental toughness to be an entrepreneur, and and he's more of the uh, the business side of it, is the structure and what you do and how you put it together and how you take a product to market and that type of thing. I do some of that too, but um, but I think that's why we work well together. But, you know, success is, or failure is only failure if you focus on it. And, uh, you know, and sometimes fear of moving forward is what holds us back. And, and to me, fear is a made-up story. It's not real. It's something that we make up in our minds. And, you know, we can choose to focus on that or we can choose to, um, uh, to focus on, on something more productive. Well, when I shape up my reset book, I've been working it all weekend. I probably have another seven or ten days before I would even want to show it to someone that uh, could be like a mentor like you. So since you've done some resets in your life, I'd, I'd love to send it to you, get some input, and maybe we can add some of the things you think someone should put in place when they're resetting their life. Would that be okay? Okay, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Thank I think Andrea has a final question. We're going to go to break, and then we'll come back with Matilda and Rapid Fire. Andrea? Okay. Well, Jim, I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about your Level 10 Club because of the um, excellence that you do with people to really help them you know, move to that other level. Um, please share that. 
Well, uh, Live Life at Level 10 I came up with that a few years ago. And, you know, the things that we, that we need to do to truly have our life at a level 10 where we're, we're happy, productive, not just financially, but, uh, but personally, you know, and relationships and uh, money and career and, you know, family and all of those things, health. Uh, so Live Life at Level 10 basically is a, it's a membership program, and if you, if, you'll be able to go to Live Life at Level 10, all written out, uh, livelifeatlevel10.com. And uh, we just have just reconstructed that, and it's, uh, it should be up in the next, probably the next week uh, to two weeks maximum. And it's a membership um, site. And you get, um, every month you get a, a, about a 45 minute to a 60 minute uh, lesson by video, uh, by me. Um, and it's different topics. Uh, it might be on how to reinvent yourself, or it might be on relationships, or it might be on your relationship to money, or, uh, you know, it could be on family, or it could be on health, um, which is a big passion of mine. So, um, you, you get one of those a month and then you get, you get a video each week that's about 15 minutes long. And that's more of a, like a strategy session of something you could be doing, uh, in your life. And it also supports the monthly one. And, and there's action steps on both of those to take. And then daily, you get about a two to three minute, uh, audio. Uh, that'll be delivered to you, and those are just little quick tips uh, of some uh, kind of thought-provoking tips that could, uh, um, you know, kind of help to trigger some ideas about what you could be doing as well. Just quick little things every morning, just a little message, and um, you know, all of that's like twenty-seven dollars a month. I mean, it's uh, and I, and I guarantee you, it's it's information uh, that. Most people have never heard before. It's it's not it's not there to motivate you. It's there to influence change, and it will definitely do that if you get involved with it. So that's kind of that's that starts up here just in a couple of weeks. So again, it's uh, livelifeatlevel10.com, or you can go to jimbrett.com and it'll be linked there as well. So either either place. Well, Jim, unfortunately, we are out of time for your segment. We're going to go to break. We're going to bring you back for the rapid fire where we ask quick questions for quick answers that we didn't get to ask in the first segment. So this is Ken Rashan with Voice America Influencer Channel. We are brought to you by Big Events USA, Keep Smiling Movement, and, of course, the Red Carpet Connection. We'll be back in a couple minutes. sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at umbrellasyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. Well, welcome back to the second segment and just had a very interesting dialogue with uh, the production person at Voice America, Aaron, and uh, we were talking about what people say and he was able to actually quickly reply. They say whatever they want because they can use the language as they wish. So great job, Aaron. As usual, Aaron really breaking through to the other side. So Andrea, can we get the next introduction for Matilda and bring her on the show right away? We can. I had the pleasure of meeting Matilda Yarmi on the Internet Marketers Cruise, and she's this really a wonderful woman who's um, an amazing powerhouse. Her passion is to build effective systems and streamline your operations and help you to nurture your leads and clients using marketing automation, you know, like that's the best thing ever. She built a successful career as an IT project manager in higher education and consulting and pharmaceuticals and in high tech. And so she was managing software projects, consulting with clients, organizing international training sessions and managing live events. I mean, she really has done it all. And with that management skills and her experience, she really figured out a way to help people optimize their world so it could operate at a higher level. And now with being very heart centered and very passionate about working with entrepreneurs, she helps them get organized in their business and enrich their bottom line. And I'm so excited to have her here. Uh, Matilda Yarmi, please welcome to the show. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Ken. Pleasure to be here. Likewise. So what do you think of Jim's uh, segment? I thought it was fascinating. I was uh, riveted because um, Tony Robbins has been a big influence on my life. So I guess by extension, Jim has been a big influence on my life. Yeah, we were so lucky to have Jim spend that time with us and likewise uh, spend time with you on the Marketers Cruise. So how many Marketers Cruise have you been on? This is my first one. and um, I thought it was fantastic. I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, the energy uh, of the whole event and met some fabulous people. So it's definitely something I'm going to do every year. And you're doing it next year, right? Oh, absolutely. Yep, I signed up before I left the ship. So I think that's the ultimate compliment to a program is that there is the loyalty and the continuation and the desire to learn and grow. And with that, uh, you had Iman as one of the people I think that brought you to the ship, right? Yes, he did. He did. I took his course on uh, how to create online courses and he introduced us to Captain Lou who did the organization for the cruise. And when I heard about it, I thought this was really a fantastic opportunity to meet a lot of powerhouse marketers, and that's exactly uh, what my experience was on the cruise. It was great. And he's helped you become an author. Is that correct? Yes, he did. I'm, I'm part of a, a compilation book that he put together. Called The Game Changer, and you couldn't hit a, a, 
I guess, a title that means more to me because that's the nickname I, I call my son. Not that he necessarily knows that or uh, responds to it. He's, he's only five and a half. But the point is, if you raise your kid to be a game changer, they're probably going to be a leader that changes the game. So that's that's why I nicknamed him that. So it's a great, great title. And obviously, the people he's attracted are people that believe in that, that they can change the game. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, it's interesting that you mentioned your son. My uh, my two sons were my game changers. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they definitely influenced the way my career went once I became a mom. So I see we have, golly gee, about 20 people in this book. Um, Iman is obviously the person who is orchestrating the book. And there seems to be a lot more women involved in his game changers than <clears throat> men. I mean... Are men allowed to play the game changer game? Of course they are. Of course <laughs> they are. So yeah, I, I don't know how how that uh, demographic shift was going on. Uh, it was um, so this opportunity was open to everyone who's in Iman's year long program, and I guess the the faces that you have on the cover are the people who took them up on it. Yeah, so, so two out of yeah, two out of nineteen. There's no gender bias in there. Yeah, two out of 18 people are men, and the other ones are obviously empowered, dynamic, amazing women. Uh, You remember Melody Meyer? She was on the cruise ship? Absolutely. So I I actually don't know her too much, but yeah, I've run into her at a couple events, and she seems like a very extraordinary person. So what did you write about in in the Game Changer book? So I wrote about um, actually how my, my kids became my Game Changer and how tapping into your intuition on how you want to structure your life is really essential because when you're going off in a a direction that uh, I'd say everyone is telling you, you know, this is the way to succeed and, you know, get into corporate life and climb the ladder. And then, you know, once you do that, everything's going to, you know, be perfect. Right. Well, not so much. And when you're pursuing that kind of focus and there's a little voice in your head saying, this really isn't the right path for you, and you keep ignoring it and pushing that down, it doesn't stop. It keeps persisting until you actually do listen and tap into that intuition and start doing what you were meant to do. Well, I'm going to ask you some questions, and they may be a little time-sensitive because we have rapid fire coming up kind of soon. So I'm going to ask you some questions um, that I think you not only know the answer to, but we can expand them with links. So what is the most common belief around time management? Uh, The most common belief is that you can actually manage time, which is not true. Um, Really what you're doing, the people who are very effective – are the ones who manage themselves. They manage their mindset, their expectations, they're self-aware, and they manage their focus. And that's how you end up becoming successful because time just is. You don't manage it at all. Okay, so that would lead to, I guess, how is ultimate time mastery different from other time management programs and what programs would you recommend? So Ultimate Time Mastery is, is the program I developed through Iman's um, training program. And it's different in a number of ways. It's, it's a very holistic system. 
and we start off with a visual representation of what is truly important to you. Because unless you have a very clear sense of the people and activities and hobbies that are central to your life, you're always going to feel like you're being pulled in a million different directions. Once that is clear and you go through and learn how to prioritize, even if there are events in your life that are competing priorities, once you learn how to prioritize and how to focus, all of a sudden you realize that there is always enough time to do what is most essential to you. And that's really what the course takes you through is figuring out what is important and then applying other tools that you've heard of before of like there's a task list, but you've got to structure it a particular way to make it really effective for you to move you forward. We do a strategic plan. We show people how to really hone in on what will move them forward you know, this quarter, this year, this decade, they want to plan that far ahead. So I know you're working with Andrea and the Keep Smiling Movement and how she can use this technology and this methodology. So first of all, talk about what you understand about what Andrea is doing, and then I'm going to have Andrea finish up with a question. Sure. So um, the Keep Smiling Movement, I mean, the first time I saw it was on the cruise when both you and Andrea were taking pictures with cars. I was like, wow, that is really a cool thing to do. I mean, the world needs more smiling people um, and way less bad news. So we talked a lot more about it on the cruise, and I used some of the, um, the techniques that I shared with my CEOs and private clients on how Andrea could really expand on the vision that she had for the Keep Smiling movement. So, you know, I'll let her speak to, you know, her experience of that conversation, but um, I thought it was pretty energizing. So she can speak to that, but what did you ascertain that would be the, the pivot or the way your time management mastery would actually be more effective? Uh, For that movement, I would say clearly define those goals that will move you forward the fastest and kind of put all other goals aside. So, like, start hyper-focusing on do you really want to go international this year? Do you want to go national first? Like, what, what is truly that focus? And once you have that defined, then and the time around that instead of trying to go in multiple directions at once. Okay. So, Andrea, why don't you go ahead and cut in at this point and speak on that as well as the question. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, some of the things that when Matilda pulled me aside and was talking about how her, you know, high-level executives had really been able to hone in on a certain area and really focus and streamline that to be more effective, um, I knew that that was something that, Ken, that was really important to you on how we could make this more effective in the world and, and really make more leverage happen. So, you know, we shared that. 
And then, um, so she's taking me through the rest of the steps so we can finalize that. And some of the feedback, you know, comes from the talks that we've had, Ken, about what's most important to us and what's most effective in the world. And the only other thing I'd like you to share um, briefly, Matilda, because we're short on time, is you've done some remarkable things to break some glass ceilings in your personal leadership that you're doing um, um, with the community and with kids. Will you briefly share that? Sure. I um I'm a black belt and a uh, karate instructor, and one of my passions in my personal life is to, you know, introduce martial arts to kids and be a role model for young girls and young women on um, being strong and self-sufficient. And Ken Matilda is like one of the top ten people in her metropolitan. Well, her area, I can't say the word metropolitan today, um, that um, is a black belt of one of the highest distinctions um, that's teaching other people. So it's pretty awesome. And, and the only female. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a fun ride. And it, um, it really is a central part of my life. And, well, why don't we got? Uh, we're going to cut to the rapid fire real quick because we have a couple minutes left. So, uh, Jim, you still with us? I am, yes. Okay, so uh, what's a book that changed your life? Uh, well, uh, Three Magic Words was the book that uh, had a big, big effect on me. And who wrote that? U.S. Uh, Anderson. Very good. Matilda? The Power of Intention by Wayne Dyer. Okay, and I'll come back to you, Jim, with a quote that uh, you live by. Uh, if you do what you do with love, you'll eventually have only what you love in your life. Beautiful. Matilda? Hmm. Change the way you look at things, and the things you look at change. Andrea? Um, I'd like to know what kind of charity that you most care about, Jim. What kind of what? Charity, charity. if there's a certain charity you, you are passionate about. Oh, the charity, yes. Um, well, anything to do with uh, human trafficking. My wife has a uh, nonprofit called Good Women International, and, and their mission is to stop child and human trafficking. Matilda? And Matilda? Uh, I've done a lot of work with Relay for Life, which is part of the uh, American Cancer Association. Very good. So the Key Smiling Movement is all about raising money for all the different philanthropies. So now that we know yours, we can actually make that a more of a focus. And we agree with both those because we've worked with both of them before. So thank you so much, Jim Matilda, for spending an hour with us and allowing us to amplify your message, your life, and your purpose-driven life. So we will be back next week. This is Ken Rashan with the Influence Channel, Iron Voice America. And we are sponsored again by Big Events USA the Key Smiley Movement, and the Red Carpet Connection. We'll see you next week. Thank you again. Thanks, Jim and Matilda. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplify. Be sure to join Ken Rashad again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard. 